BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network. This is James Altucher with the James Altucher Show, and I have on a very special guest, Gabby Bernstein. Gabby, welcome to the show. Hey, James. So happy to be here. Gabby, you're like a one-woman media empire. I'm just going to list off some of the things that you've done. You've written four best-selling books. Uh, one of them's called Add More Ink to Your Life. I love that title because, obviously, I think you're implying something sexual there, so it's a great <laughs> title, even though, actually, when you read the book, you're implying much more, but it's a good way to get people in. Then you wrote Spirit Junkie, May Cause Miracles, and now we're here to talk about your just-released book, miracles now and uh you're also you have a monthly segment on the today show you have a weekly radio show with hay house radio you're you're everywhere everywhere i look there's reference to you how did you um what's your story how did you get started and how did you kind of build up such a uh, again like a, a media empire well you know my first career from when I was 21 to 25, I was running a public relations business in, in New York City. And I was actually at the time representing nightclubs, if you can believe it. <laughs> so I can't actually. I was, I was a you know, 21-year-old girl in New York doing PR for all the hot new nightclubs. No, no, and doing so, PR for a nightclub. Isn't that just like, let's get all the celebrities, let's get Kim Kardashian in the nightclub and everyone else will follow? It's a lot of that. It's a lot of that, yeah. And and it's so funny to even talk about it now because it's such a departure from who I am today. But um, at that time, this is almost a decade ago, I was, you know, really uh, into that career path. But uh, you know, most importantly, I was really always sort of naturally good at sales. And I had no PR background whatsoever. Uh, I actually have a degree in theater from Syracuse University, so I had zero marketing or PR background. Totally useless degree. Yes, my, my theater degree, actually, ironically, my theater degree... It was not that useless because now I'm a public speaker. So a lot of the stuff that I learned at the time uh, is definitely having an effect today. And, and it's only now that I realize that all that breathing has something uh, of value to me today. It's <laughs> uh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You can find the good in it. Um, but... Um, but at the time when I was running this this PR business, I really, you know, I had been promoting parties in my, my teens, like 18, 19, 20, when I came home to New York City, I'd promote parties. And I had this 
this uh, hit that I could sell these nightclubs, I could promote these nightclubs. And so I turned this into a business. And uh, so marketing and PR has always been something that's come to me very, very naturally. And if I believed in what I was selling, then it was always a recipe for success. And so at that time in my life, 21 to 25, I believed in partying and the nightclub scene. And so it was, you know... That's, relative- a, that's a very great thing to believe in when you're young, actually. I wish I had believed in more of that when I was uh, at ages of 20 to 25. I was really bad at it. You know, I think I think that, you know, in my case, I can definitely look back and say that I had no lost time, that I definitely uh, put myself uh, through a lot of different experiences that I can say I've stepped in there and tried that. But, you know, there's two sides to that story. And in my case, really what happened was I, I was pushing that envelope of that scene and that world a little too far. And by the time I was 25, I was really in a, a darker place. I was, uh, well, okay, so you, you have to let me ask then, what does it mean too far? So by that point, I was very, very uh, entrenched in that nightlife scene. I was uh, addicted to my credentials. I was addicted to my relationships. I had addictions to, to you know, wanting to feel good enough. And then a lot of that feeling of inadequacy led to drug and alcohol addiction. And so like most people in the in the personal personal growth space, we come to follow that path of being a spiritual teacher or a personal growth leader or a self-help book author through our own dark night of the soul. And so for me, that period of my life when I was 25 years old, hitting that bottom with drugs, alcohol, work addiction, love addiction, all of it hitting me at once, I was blessed with a really great gift of being cracked open at a very young age and having to choose a different path. And so at 25, I put down that PR business. I got sober. I started resurrecting my life through all of the spiritual principles and practices that I had been taught as a child. So I was brought up with a a yogi mom and really rebuilt my inner strength so that I could then, in effect, grow a very empowering, amazing, positive outer life. And and it's not like you just sort of apply these principles. You then essentially use your business. You, You clearly have business skills. You've built an entire business around this. Yeah, so I mean, you know, as much as I identify as a teacher of personal growth and, and empowering people, I also identify as a very, very kick-ass businesswoman who loves the art of carrying a message. And I am I'm very, very, very excited when it comes to marketing and publicity and, you know, the inner workings of running a business. And I think for anyone that has a business that they feel is making an an empowering, positive impact on the world, there is an energy that behind that that just takes over. And so so I'm unapologetic about being a businesswoman in my field because I feel that the stronger I am at business and the more that I know how to carry the message in a very effective way, the more of an impact I can have on the world as a whole. So, well, uh, yeah. I want to I want to follow up on that a little bit more because I sort of feel like right now is the perfect time for the combination of, you know, business skills and business acumen and this more personal growth approach, because we sort of live in this what I call uh, post 
you know, post-traumatic societal stress syndrome. Like this past decade has been really, really hard for a lot of people, like starting with the dot-com bust, 9-11, two wars, housing crisis, financial crisis, high unemployment. Nobody knows really where they're at. Like you could get fired in a second. Your business could have problems. There's so many problems out there. People just feel in general depressed and they thought initially, oh, well, just success will happen because I've got a college degree and I come from such and such location and whatever. But they, they need tools to to survive this upside down world that, that we find ourselves in. And I, I found with my last book, uh, Choose Yourself, it was no surprise that both um, the Stansberry Group, which is who produces this podcast, and Hay House, which is the personal growth publisher publishing your next book, Miracles Now, uh, they both called me on the same day saying, hey, can we work with you? And I think that these two worlds are, are merging because people need this in their lives. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that to your point, the world has had a little bit of a bottom or a lot of a bottom, you know, and when the safeties that we once relied on are taken from us, so whether it be job security or environmental safety or uh, safety in the sense of, you know, believing and trusting in our government and all of the things that may be uh, have been stripped away from us, what are we left with? What are we, we're, we're left with having to rely on our own devices and having a toolbox of, of, of ways to turn inward and, and re- de-stress and reorganize our energy field and, and recalibrate our being. Because when we're in that place of, of that chaos and that stress and that fear of the world, we can be very easily taken out. And so I think that there's a, a tremendous merge between these two, uh, these two topics. I think that they're interdependent at this point. So, so the most common uh, question I ever get is, um, um, I, I'm unhappy in my job, but I'm feeling stuck. I, I, I don't know what to do. I have to pay my bills. I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to do it. What, what do you, what would you answer uh, to someone you know who says that? Well, whenever you're feeling stuck, there is a fear-based belief that is keeping you in that energy of stuck. And so I would first ask that person to really start to pay close attention to what it is that they're thinking and what they're saying. And so if they're walking around with the, you know, daily intention of saying, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, things are difficult, I'm in a bad place, then that belief system is creating a feeling within that person, and that feeling is being reflected back to them. So if you're walking around saying, I'm stuck and I suck, then you feel pretty low, and then the world around you is not supporting you or uplifting you or leading you into a new job opportunity. And so I I think it's really important, first and foremost, to become aware of the thoughts that we think and recognize the power that those thoughts have over our entire uh, being. Uh, When we start to take responsibility for our thoughts, that's when we can start to reclaim our own energy and then therefore start to shift our life. I think it's an important thing to note that uh, most people sort of just think their thoughts and that's it. Like they might panic, they might be unhappy, they might be very happy and the thought happens and then they move on. But I think um, a common theme in a lot of your writing is to take a step back and notice what those thoughts are. So for instance, in your, in your book that just came out, Miracles Now, 108 Life-Changing Tools for Less Stress, More Flow, and Finding Your True Purpose, your very first recommendation is happiness is a choice you make. So how, if, if I'm used to panicking and, and feeling depressed and down, how do I learn how to make that choice? 
Well, first and foremost, I think it's important to see how the choice that you are making, the choice of panic, the choice of fear, the choice of anxiety, is affecting your life. So, you know, a big part of being on a path of clearing your own belief systems is to be able to be willing to look at what you're thinking and what you're believing. And so take that magnifying glass, focus it on yourself, and, and pay close attention to the, the, the thoughts and the words and the energy and the beliefs that you're carrying around, and then make a list of those beliefs and then make a list of how those beliefs are affecting your life. Positive. Well, what, what's, an, what's an example of belief? So an example could be, you know, I'm broke and I'm never going to be able to earn, right? And so the the next thing you do is write that down. And then next to it, write, write down how that belief is affecting you. So, okay, that belief is keeping me extremely anxious and nervous when I go on a job interview. How is that affecting you? I'm not getting the job. So you can start to see the pattern that the beliefs are creating in your life. Um, those beliefs, those thoughts, affect your energy. They make you either uplifted, right, of power, empowering thoughts will uplift you and elevate you, whereas negative thoughts will drag you down. And so if you're dwelling in the space of those negative thoughts and those negative thoughts have taken over your belief system, then that's going to be the effect of your life. It, 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 it sucks. But, you know, if I just say to myself, oh, um, you know, I'm good enough to get this job, I might be lying to myself. Like, how do I avoid yeah. that kind of trap where uh, positive thinking might not be, uh, you know, related to my re current, my very current reality? So that's a great, a great question. I actually don't recommend that we just like throw an affirmation over our disbelief because I think that that's kind of, you know, a bunch of BS, right? Because you're, you're in that feeling of I'm, I suck and then you're just saying I'm great. And really that just will make you feel worse because there's a voice within you that says this is a lie. Okay. Right. So right. that's not the suggestion. Oh, just throw the affirmation. Um, though I do believe that it is very powerful to change your, your words and to choose more empowering words. But what I, I truly suggest is that you start to reach for thoughts and words that you do believe in. So if you're in the vibration and the energy of I am not making any money, I suck, I can't earn, okay? Start to reach for stuff that you do believe in. Well, I do have great internet skills and I do know how to uh, you know, get people to follow me through my Facebook page. And so I know that that is an amazing way that I can possibly earn money. And maybe I could you know, join this affiliate network and start linking through on my Facebook. Just reach Reaching for thoughts that you believe in, solutions that you believe in. And so this is an exercise actually in my first book, which I called Climbing. So like climbing to higher thoughts, right? So you're in that low-level place of I'm not earning, I can't make enough, and you start to reach. You know, I've got a great Rolodex. That, that Rolodex can lead me to, you know, a, a new lead or my LinkedIn, my LinkedIn connections are very, very powerful. You know, I have a job interview next week. I'm going to bring my A game. Just talking your way, thinking your way to higher thoughts. Well, and I like, um, and this is related now to the second exercise in your book, which is to, to list your fears. And I'm just curious, like, you know, I, I try to deal with these things and I have my own sort of set of practices to, to, you know, hopefully give myself a more successful or free or peaceful life. But every day there's always something that comes up. No one can avoid it. Every day there's, there's problems. Like for you today, what are you afraid of? What, what's your list of fears? You know, this is an exercise in your book, so I assume you do it. What's your list of fears? You know, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, I'm a human being. I have fears. I, if I didn't have any more fears, I'd have nothing else to learn here, right? So I, I, have, I have fears. But the difference between where I am with my fears today versus 10 years ago is that those fears come up on a daily basis, 
but I no longer believe in them. And so it's how it's that my experience of my fears are different. So the fears that do come up for me, you know, these days is, um, for instance, I'm launching this new book, as we know. And so there's a lot of feelings of um, it's, you know, when you're in a launch period of anything or if you're in a sales position of any kind, there is sometimes a bizarre energy around asking people for help. Right. And so if anyone's ever launched a book, it's like literally you have to open your 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 contacts database and contact every friend you've ever had. Say, hey, can you help me? And that, that's how I run a campaign. And I know this is how you do it, too. And so, you know, really opening up that, that contact base. And so for me, a big fear that's been coming up lately is like, you know, people don't want to support me. That's a story I've been telling myself lately. People don't want to support me. And so I know it's crazy. So one of one of the, the tools that comes up throughout the book is um, about laughing at the fear, the fear's mad ideas, laughing at the tiny mad ideas. And so if we have enough um, enough belief in the positive, we can we can give ourselves that opportunity to look at that stupid idea and laugh at it, okay? If you're very rooted and grounded in that fear, then it may be a little bit harder to get out. But well, one of the great tools is to laugh at it. it, it it's funny because, you know, I, I did... For my last book, Choose Yourself, I did more marketing than I had ever done in my life. And you you said it perfectly. I basically reached out and asked everyone I knew to help me. And it was really, really hard. Like, I hated myself for it. I do not like, I had this almost visceral reaction. Like, I felt like I was going to owe everyone a favor. And not that I'm against owing people favors, but I like to give before I receive. And here I was, in many cases, receiving before I was giving. And I had, right. I had a bad reaction to it, but it turned out really great because people wanted to help. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm glad that you just said that. I think that's actually something that I needed to hear. Like, I'm definitely having an easier time this year than I did last year with my last book. Like, my God, so much of this came up for me last year. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a heavy thing to ask people to, you know, carve out space in their promotional calendar or, you know, to take the time to support your book. You know, there's so many, there's so many things in the world that we, you know, have to focus on. But I think that when we're in a sales position, one of the great things to do is to tap into the reason why you're asking for the sale, the reason why you're asking for help, or the reason why you're seeking support and to, and to dwell in the energy of why, right? And so, so for me, if the answer of why is, oh, I just need to get on the New York Times bestseller list again, I need to stay on the list longer this time, and if I'm in that space, then it's going to feel weird when I ask. If I'm in the energy of, I am in love with this book, and James, I mean it, I'm in love with this book, and I love that I have the opportunity to express this work with the world, and I know that this book has the tools and the power to serve the masses and serve people who may not be on a path of personal growth, and then it can touch many, many people in a very, very deep way. If I stay grounded in that story and that energy and the feeling and the essence of why it is that I'm doing this work, the greater good, the greater purpose, then a lot of that negative fear and, and discomfort around selling starts to melt away. And we start to get into a place of sharing rather than selling. It's really true. And I found... That was what was most true when I was marketing my book, Choose Yourself. I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. I wanted, um, and this, this is before the book came out, I wanted, I wanted Dick Costello, who is the CEO of Twitter, to write the foreword of my book. And um, I was really, really afraid to ask him. I don't like asking people anything, and particularly someone who I viewed as, like, this guy is running, you know, essentially 
the biggest media company in the world, Twitter. Uh, and why would he take any time out to write the forward of my book? So I, so it took me like a day or two to write two paragraphs asking him. Like I vaguely knew him and enough to email him. And so I wrote the email. He wrote back yes. And he said he would love to. And then he never did it. So, so two months later, it's like past the deadline. And I finally wrote to him and I said, uh, Dick, look, don't worry. It's okay. I don't really need a forward to my book. But I, I really felt that the Twitter, uh, the way Twitter developed and the idea that people can develop their own media presences and brands and their careers on social networks, I really felt it fit in with, with my book, Choose Yourself. So what I did was that night I listened to a video speech he gave and um, I took elements of the video and I essentially crafted a forward out of that and I sent it to him and I said, I loved your video that you just did. It fits very much in line with my book. Uh, you know, are there any changes you would like to make? And maybe we can use this as a forward. And so he did actually make a few changes and he said, this is perfect. I wish I had, you know, written this as well. And, you know, but he, he did make enough changes that he was able to put his name on it. And that became the forward of my book. But it was extremely difficult for me to not only ask, but then to have the energy to follow through and recognize that I needed to deliver an almost finished product for a busy guy like that to basically respond and say yes. And it, yeah. but, but, but it was because I believed in both the, his message and my message and how they intersected together. And I think that that's the answer is that you believed in the, the, in the connection and that there, and, and that you were coming from a place of not a place of neediness, but a place of this is the right, this is the right connection. This makes sense. I believe in this, right? Exactly. So, exactly. The, the intersection of, you know, what he was working on, what I was working on, what I thought the world needed, that intersection proved to be so compelling that the yes almost is a natural outcome. And I think that's a very important part of marketing and sales. You're not just trying to, um, you know, do some BS marketing. You're trying to say, look, the world needs this. Here's something that helps. I'm in the middle here. Say yes to me. And, and that works. Couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And I think that there is, Definitely, um, people can feel your intentions even through an email. And this is like quantum physics. You know, there's energy in everything. And so, you know, for instance, I think for you at this point, I, I can say for myself, people are, I'm often getting requests for blurbs or I'm getting requests, you know, to endorse something. And, you know, I get a lot of like really nice gifts in the mail. Like I have this P.O. box I did it and it's like Christmas, like once a week. And I get these really groovy gifts of like, and I'm in the world of, you know, personal growth. So I get like, you know, candles and essential oils and lots of yoga pants. But um, when I get these gifts, you know, sometimes when I open the box, I can literally feel like, oh my God, this feels awful. Like, I, even if I love the product, I'm like, I cannot wear this. Or I, I cannot, like, you know, I can't keep this. Because there's a feeling of, oh my God, this person is like needing me to do something for them. Whereas in other yeah. cases, I, I, I'll, I'll open the gift and I'll be like, I have no idea why, but I deeply want to take an Instagram picture of this right now and share this person's work with my fans, right? And so 
there's there's energy in everything, and I think that we have to be really clear about the intention that we put behind our work. And this might sound a little woo-woo for your listeners, but I think it's something to really take into consideration, that if you're, you know, emailing that person that you want to have write your forward, and your email is coming from a place of desperation, even if the words are so articulate, but the energy behind the email is desperate, I would say wait 24 hours before you press that. I, I totally agree. And I'll, I'll give you another story. So I I, a decade ago, I was a, a venture capitalist and I still make many investments in companies and people would all day long be showing up at my office to pitch their businesses. And I could usually tell within seconds just by looking at their face if they're feeling that desperation or not. And when they were, the answer was 100 percent no, um, yep. you know, because you just don't want to. I just didn't want to deal with that I, and for no reason at all. Just that's what the answer was going to be no. And so it's important for me to never come from that level of desperation. I've, I've lived my life never coming from that level of desperation. And I think that's why it's so hard sometimes to ask people. But it's also, like you said, it's really important to, to again, if you're coming at it with the right energy and with the right uh, feelings of importance, like this message is important. I think it is important to ask as many people as possible when you have that energy behind you. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And you know, and- I, I, I also, I just want to mention that you're, what I like about this current book that just came out, Miracles Now, I like how it's not, it's actually not all this woo-woo stuff. You, you give 108 very interesting exercises that people should do. Like, like I'm looking at number eight right now, Positive perception playlists are powerful. So, you know, I like the idea. I do this every day where I I figure out, okay, well, if I'm a little bit down, what music can I listen to that's going to make me feel better? Who could argue against that? Like, that's a great exercise. Can you talk about that one for just a second? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so simple. I think that there's such a... um uh, uh, it's so easy to see, like, certain songs can just lift you up. So, you know, a big part of my winding down routine in the evenings, I work, you know, I'm, like, so excited about my work, so I'll just be at my desk all day long, tweeting, Instagramming, Facebooking, emailing like a crazy woman. And then the day is over, and I just need to wind down. So I cook. Like, that's my meditation. Is cooking is one of my greatest meditative tools. But I do not cook without music. So I'll play mantras. I'll play my positive perception playlist. And that music just, you know, will get me into an altered state. So I think, like, it's just a simple tool for reorganizing your energy is just to create a positive perception playlist. Make a list of all the music that really gets you going. Play it throughout the day. Play it when you're feeling down. Play it when you need to de-stress. And, and use it or play it before you send that email request. You know, get your energy to a good place before you start to sell. So I have an idea for you. So you have a, a website, herfuture.com, where it's kind of like this, uh, you know, uh, it's a, a, a network for women who want to empower themselves and so on. You should let people, you should do a deal with Spotify and let people create their own positive perception playlists out of Spotify choices, but have them stored on your site and so this way, then I can see what's Gabby's playlist or what so-and-so's playlist is. And I could play around with different people's positive perception playlists and, and learn something or maybe listen to some new music I've never heard of. I 
I'm with you. I think there, there's a big play with Spotify here, right? Because like such a big, you know, I've been getting some cool press placements and, you know, like I did, I was like the blogger for Elle in the month of January and part of what I pitched to them was to create a positive perception playlist. So I created the Elle playlist on Spotify. So I think I agree with you. From your mouth to God's ears, I need to be working with Spotify. <laughs> I'll find a way. And then, okay, so, so your next exercise, which I also really like, when you're feeling helpless, help someone. So I, I had someone write to me this morning. They just lost their job. What do I do? And now the funny thing is I've written countless articles and posts about, I've even written a post. If you lost your job yesterday, do these 10 things. And so I said, I, I had to, I was almost annoyed with the guy. I said, I sent him that post and I said, just do this. But I think really the, the most important thing is get out of your, you know, feelings of self mortification. Like if you're feeling helpless, you have, almost have to get out of your body and find someone else and show that you have value. Help, help them. So maybe talk about this exercise and how it could be valuable. It's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's about getting out of your own way, right? So it's like you're stuck in your own world. You're stuck in your own dramas. You're stuck in your own fears. And the greatest way to get out of those fears is to be of service to somebody else. And so, um, you know, that I love that quote. Actually, it's from Aung San Suu Kyi, the president of Burma, who was in ho- under house arrest for many years. And she was given an opportunity to leave um, and, and stand at the gate of her house and speak to the people. And thousands and thousands of people came out. And what she said, her message to these people who had been, you know, going through ridiculous war and all this violence, she said to them, when you're feeling helpless, help someone. And so, you know, I think that for those of us in, in this country who have, you know, problems far, far, far less difficult than, than the, the Burmese people, I think we can take that very, very seriously. And so, you know, looking at our lives and saying, okay, I'm totally stuck in my own ego, my own fears, my own chaos. Um, who can I be of service to? And so I use this tool all the time. Whenever I'm in a funk, whenever I'm in that story of, you know, I'm not good enough. Use it yesterday, James, when I was in that place of, you know, no one wants to support me, right? I'm scared of asking everybody for help and no one wants to support me. Instead, I made a phone call and I asked someone else how I could support them. And I got into an hour-long conversation with one of my dear friends who's like a little sister to me. And I just listened to her, you know, relationship dramas, and I just helped her. And, and by the time I hung up the phone, I was, I was all that silliness that I had been so obsessed with was gone. So that, That's really great. I think this is a, an incredibly valuable technique. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one twist on it that I sometimes like to do. You know, I have my emails back, let's say, a decade. Sometimes I'll go back to 2007, and I'll find an email I never responded to, and I'll respond to that email. So, mm, and I'll respond as if they had just sent the email. So, you know, somebody will say, hey, can we go for a coffee? I, I, I need to ask you something. I'll just write back, sure, anytime, you know, what's your question? And, ah! but, you know, this is like six years or whatever, seven years later, uh, they're getting this response as if it's two seconds later. The responses are just hilarious sometimes, and it really helps me feel good about myself, even if I was in a funk beforehand. I absolutely love that. I'm going to do that. I've got all these lovely emails that come in on my site, herfeature.com, and, you know, it's like it's kind of hard to keep track of all of your social media stuff. And so I've, like, dedicated, sometimes I'll dedicate, like, an hour just to responding to those people. But I love the idea of, like, going back six years and saying, hi, how are you? <laughs> it's, it's been magic. I'll tell you, one time um, for my birthday in 2007, someone bought for me the domain name jamesaltucher.com. And um, 
and I never responded to him. I never like took the domain. I never responded to him, probably because of what we were talking about earlier. I felt funny like, you know, getting a gift. And then I think it was around 2010, I, three years later, I, I wrote back to him and I just said, thanks. Um, what do I need to do? And, uh, and then he's become a good friend since then. He's like, whoa, that's the longest response time I've ever had for, for something. And, uh, and it worked out well. Now all my stuff's on jamesaltitude.com, thanks to my responding three years later. Right, right, right. I love it. So, and again, what I, what I like about your book is it's not all of these kind of let's, uh, you know, astral project to the universe and, you know, uh, everything's going <laughs> to magical is going to happen to us. You know, you get very simple techniques, but these are very valuable. And w- one of your techniques, which I, can, I think is probably the most important in my life, you say sleep is a spiritual practice. And I really find that if I don't sleep, for me, I love to sleep 10 hours a day, but if I don't sleep at least eight hours a day, I almost can't function the next day. And sleep is incredibly important for for energy, for productivity, for for any kind of successful endeavor. And I'm sure you must be an expert at this at this point. I'm like you, I need like eight hours. um, And if I don't get it, I need to catch up. You know, my husband's fine with like six hours of sleep. He's up in the morning, he's out the door. I... I need more. And um, and then if I don't get those eight hours, a lot of what I talk about in the book is like, okay, if you can't get those eight hours, here's how you can have a more restorative rest. And I give tools for that throughout the book as well, which I think is really important. So, you know, I think that do the best that we can to, uh, you know, get the amount of time that we need. And if we can't get that time, it's often more about how well have you slept rather than how long have you slept. And so um, I agree with you completely. I think that we have to put our health as a high priority. And if we're not feeling well, then we can't perform well in any area of our life. And so uh, sleep is one of the greatest ways that we experience, you know, that relaxation response and just allowing our body to restore itself and to heal itself. And so much of that happens while we're sleeping. So we have to be, uh, make it a high priority. And again, to your point, you know, making these tools are simple. They're, they're, they're appropriate. They're tangible. Well, you know, so so it's interesting. They're tangible, and sometimes, though, they require practice. Like, obviously, if you've been only sleeping because of stress three hours a night for the past 10 years, and this ha- this did happen to me for probably for, for 15 straight years, I was only sleeping three hours a night because I would always wake up in the middle of the night stressed and then never able to get back to sleep. And it took a lot of practice uh, to really get back to an eight to 10 hour of sleep mode, which I'm in now, fortunately. Like I had to stop all screen time after 6 p.m. I would go to sleep between eight and 8.30, uh, no TV at night, for instance, no screen. And I wouldn't eat past six. Like all of these things that kind of uh, conspire to keep you from sleeping or, or make you wake up in the middle of the night, I would just avoid them completely. That's how important it was to me. So I think it's very valuable advice in your book. Thank you. I appreciate it. And then Um, another one, you know, I I remember reading a quote once, um, worry will never solve, worry will never solve tomorrow's problems, but it will always sap your energy today. And you have a a, a similar one in one of your exercises, worry is a prayer for chaos. And I find this to be really true. Like worry will, will only have a negative effect. It will never help you to think more appropriately about a problem in your life. 
well, that's exactly right. So, so it's sort of back to what we were saying in the beginning of this talk, which is, which is really you know, what we're thinking and what we're feeling, we're experiencing. And so, uh, if we're walking around worried all around, we're praying for chaos in our life. The worry carries the energy of fear. Worry carries the energy of tension and control, and it, it wreaks havoc in our lives. So, so my my hope is that we can start to use the tools throughout the book or whatever tools we are guided to in our life, whether you have a meditation practice or you love running or you, you know, can, um, you know, you're following a certain type of book, whatever it may be that you're led to, to use those tools to reorganize that with those worries, because those worries not only are affecting the experiences that you're having, but they're also affecting your physical state. And so, you know, our thoughts have a massive impact on our physical well-being, and we have to be really careful with to start to take responsibility for those thoughts. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, um, I mean, most of my business career was spent worrying. Like I used to be a, uh, a day trader about a decade ago. And that's when you're, you're worried every single moment you're in the market. Uh, is the stocks going to, are stocks going to go up or stocks going to go down? I would feel like my blood literally like pumping all through my body when the market was moving against me. And I just, I just hated it. Like I used to, I had a church across the street from my house and I would go, uh, I'm Jewish, but I'd go to this church and literally like pray to Jesus, like help the stock, help stocks go in my favor. That's how desperate <laughs> I was. And it just, obviously that technique did not work. I do not recommend that for, as a, a technique for making money. But, um, you know, again, you've created such a successful career. I mean, this is your 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 fourth book. Uh, you've had these bestsellers. I want to ask a little more about the, the business side. Like, what what is a New York Times bestseller? Like, how do they measure that? How many how many books sold uh, qualifies you for that? So, um, I, my last book was on the it was number five on the New York Times bestseller list. The first week it was out, it stayed on the list, but it went down. But the first week it was number five. That's the highest I've been so far on the list. Um, it came out in January, which is a pretty competitive time for uh, self help books. So I knew that I had to move a lot of books that month. Um, I think I sold that week um, between twelve and fifteen thousand books that week to get to number five on the list. Um, oh. and, and, you know, it, it, it that, that was a big week. Um, it's, it stayed pretty consistent. Um, and my hope and my intention for this book is that it stays up like that so that there is this greater, that the power greater than me takes over with this book. You know, we can do only so much in, you know, the phone calls and the media and all the things that we're, that we're going to do. But then at some point, I believe that a lot of books, I believe books carry energy. And I believe that, um, and once again, if this is too heady for you, take it or leave it. But I believe that there is an intention and energy in every book. And I think that when a book is meant to reach the masses, like it, it just, uh, something great takes over. Um, and I think there's a great story about this. Um, there was a great author named uh, Richard Carlson who wrote the book Don't Sweat the, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Excellent and book. It's an excellent book. And, um, and, and Richard's actually been, been pa passed away like almost seven years ago. So, um, I definitely, you know, call, call on Richard when I, when I pray, when I lead a new book, when I put a new book into the world, I, 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 I call in the spirit of Richard Carlson because he was, he was a really, a miracle story in many cases. Um, Richard wrote, wrote I want to say like almost like half a dozen to, you know, 10 to 12 books before Don't Sweat became what it was. And, you know, I think that there was, I'm very friendly with his, his wife. And so um, she tells a story about how he, he got to this place where it was like, 
you know, maybe it was like seven, eight, nine, ten books that he put out. It was like many books that he published. And he just says to his wife, Christine, he's like, you know, I just, it's not happening. Like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I should go back and just get a real job. Like, I don't know what's going on. And, and she sort of turned it for him and said, you know, like, just stay in the game. 24 hours later, he got a phone call from Oprah. And then, you know, that appearance at Oprah is what catapulted his career and made that book such a huge success. But you can only really imagine that the energy of that book and the intention within that book, and obviously the content of the book, was was so powerful that, that without even realizing it, it had gotten in the hands of Oprah Winfrey. And right when he was about to throw in the back, this is when, you know, the, this type of miracle occurred. So... You know, I think that, that that's fascinating. Is, I didn't. I mean, that's such a, a great, simple book. I had no idea that it had gone through that. Yeah, isn't that incredible? And it's like, you know, it, it goes to show that it's like we can do all that we can do, and we can put all of our own energy and our intentions out into the products and the and the and the work that we do. But then I really believe that we also have to trust that if the work is of the highest service of the highest good, that something greater will take over. And that there becomes sort of a underswell and a momentum that we can it's unexplainable. And and that invisible force, I mean, whether you believe in it or not, I'm sure people have seen that in their lives. You know, doors open, opportunities occur and, and it's just because you're, you know, in the right mind that can hold the energy for that which you're creating. And, you know, I believe that's been a huge, you know, I've been in, in my in my business for um, almost a decade and, and, you know, I started when I was 25 and I'm almost, you know, I'm almost 35. And so I, I, I'm feeling at this point in my career that, that you know, a lot of things are, are happening because of my commitment and the, and the energy that I've put out. But I also feel that so much is happening now without me having to do so much. And uh, and some of that is, is, you know, a lot of, you know, 10 years of hard work for overnight success it does happen, you know, and I believe that. But in the same breath, a lot of a lot of success comes to people through letting go and allowing and trusting that there's more around you that's supporting you. I think that's really important. It's sort of like persistence with intent. Like if all you do is make the same mistakes over and over again, you're never going to get better. But if you kind of learn from um, both the ups and downs that happen in your career, then gradually, you know, the 80-20 rule is going to work for you. You're going to find the 20% that uh, is gives you the 80% effectiveness. And I think... Um, you know that happens in in all successful careers all the all the overnight successes take 10 years and it's just a matter of whittling away what's not working so you find so you can focus on what's working totally Totally. You know, totally. it's funny with Richard Carlson because I actually I enjoy all his books and um, but I think my favorite of his is you can be happy no matter what five principles for keeping life in perspective and that one wasn't a success I think that was like his least selling book ever um, but I just think it's an excellent book and then he he really was able to I I think make deliver the message to the masses with uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes the work that we feel is our greatest work maybe isn't what people need the most. And I think that's something that we also have to step back and allow as well. You know, people ask me, well, how do you decide what you're going to write about? And I, I decide what I'm going to write about based on what I think people need. And so, you know, rather than, okay, and, and also, do I want to write about it? If I don't want to write about it and if I'm not inspired by it, then it's not going to come through me. But first and foremost, I, I listen and I receive a call from what I'm seeing in the in the marketplace, like what I'm seeing um, folks meeting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And also, I do a lot of live talks and lectures, so I can constantly have my finger to the pulse of what people are asking for, literally at their mouths, not just on social media. And so, you know, paying attention to what people want um, and then responding to that call, 
you know, allows you to give them, uh, allows you to respond to, to the needs of the time, right? So the book that I put out now, Miracles Now, may not have been the most appropriate book 10 years ago, but right now, when we're in this crazy, fast-paced world where, where not everybody has an hour of yoga in their time period throughout the day, or they may not necessarily want to sit down and meditate, and now they have this tool where they can open it any page and they can change their energy in a second, you know? And, well, and, and again, it's, it's a function of the times, too, because... Uh, the world really has changed. Like, you can't just get a college degree, get a cubicle job, rise up, pay off your student loans, retire with the watch, and be happy. Like, that career path that we were promised just doesn't even exist anymore. And, uh, uh, you know, I think having these simple tools, just simple tools so that you can find a little bit more happiness, a little bit more power, a little bit more presence in your life. I think that's that's incredibly useful and important right now, like right now today. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think that the, the only way that we're going to survive the times that we live in, this might sound a little bit out there, but it's, you know, I don't want to sound apocalyptic, but, but you know, there's, there's a lot of energy that we're dealing with right now, right? There's so many messages. You know, talking to my husband last night, he was very, very, um, he, he works in private equity investing in technology. So he's very, like, into what's happening from a tech perspective and a social media perspective and just in the world in that way. And he's constantly reading and he's constantly trying new, new apps and this and that. And, and he, he literally was like, my brain needs a break from this. And and he gets to the point where he just feels like almost overwhelmed by how much information he's receiving. And that's how we all are experiencing the world at this point in time. And so, you know, my hope and my intention for this book was to be able to give people tools to really, you know, have a brain break in many cases. But in a quick way, because the only way that we can really experience uh, stuff in, today, not the only way, but the the easiest way for us to have an experience and have a visceral experience is often quickly, and we want things done quickly. Um, and James, I think there's something that might be interesting for your for your listeners if they are in the world of wanting to write a book or share content. I did something pretty groovy in the book, which was, I'm not sure if you noticed this, that every exercise has a 140-character tweet that applies to the exercise. Yeah, so I, w- we- I was going to totally address that. You've totally uh, enmeshed, you know, social media marketing right into your ebook. Yep, exactly, exactly. And, you know, even if you're reading the actual book, you can be, you know, prompted to share the the message. If you're in your e-reader, you can tweet it right from there. Um, and then, you know, obviously for Instagram, I'm turning all of those 140-character tweets into Instagram images, which are absolutely stunning. And my hope is that they just go crazy with the Instagram, because a lot of my audience is, you know, women 25 to 50 who love, like, Pinterest and Instagram. So I'm just... You should, you should totally do Pinterest also. So because like you said, it's uh, uh, definitely your demographic, like let's say 25 to 50 year old women uh, are using Pinterest. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's definitely the, 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 I've made these really groovy. They're pin, they're pinnable. They're, they're Instagrammable. They're, they're, they're hot. So have have you read uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, uh, Jab, Jab, uh, Right Hook, something like that? I, I actually had him on a podcast, and he talks about all these social media tools that you should use. I I 
need to get into it because I have the book on my ebook. I really like Gary a lot, but it's like there's something in the like it's just not my language. Like I have a bit of a minute, a minute to like get into the content, but the actual content I know I need. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm going to go back in and, and read don't, it. Don't read the ebook though. Read read the actual book because it's pack. It's it's really more like a book package than a book. So it's it's sort of like one of those things where you should skim, you know, and go back and forth. And there's big images and there's big examples. So the ebook doesn't quite work for it, um, which yeah. which could be part of your hesitance. But I, I, you know, I too was reluctant. I didn't want to. I always feel like I'm manipulating when I'm using social media for my marketing. But his book actually, I experimented with the techniques and they and they work pretty well for for marketing a book and marketing blog posts and so on. So it was very useful. So yeah, so, okay. I'm glad you said that. Of all, the, of all the 108 tools in the book, what would you say are the top three for reducing stress, helping people out? What, what are the top three that people need to know right now? Okay, good question. Okay, you need to relax today. Okay, so I think that stress is a huge one. So there's this really great one called the backpack meditation, which is just such an easy breath work. And and you, even if you don't identify as a meditator and you're like, I, that's too heavy for me, I don't want that, um, this is literally just, just call it breathing, okay? And I believe that the breath is our greatest resource for coming back to our power. And, you know, our power we need for the work that we do, for the life that we live, for the love that we bring, for the, you know, for, for the relationships that we have. So this one's just breathing in for four strokes through your nose and you breathe out one stroke through your nose. And it's really simple. Any, anyone that's listening can try it right now. You just breathe in four strokes through your nose and then breathe out one stroke through your nose. And if you do that for one minute, you can de-stress instantly. It's a miracle. It's the fastest, quickest way to just reduce stress. So in for four, out for one. You can use it anytime. You can use it anywhere. You can be, you know, about to go into a job interview, about to go into a sales pitch, and you just breathe in for four, out for one, do it for one minute, you're you're in good shape. Okay. That's great. I'm gonna I'm doing it right now. I can feel already. You, uh, you can, right? You just feel it instantly. It's just right away you're 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 really you're reorganizing your energy and, and that in itself can change your entire life. Um, another one that I think is amazing that's a that's a great practice for newcomers is you know, it's called pieces in your pulse. And you put your your uh, pointer finger and your middle finger on your on your pulse, or maybe even your thumb on your pulse, on your wrist, and your forefingers underneath, and you find your pulse, okay? And once you find your pulse, you repeat some type of uh, mantra. In this case, I use, uh, I teach Kundalini Yoga and meditation, so I use the mantra Satnam, which means truth identified. But you could use your own mantra. You could use, you know, calm down, <laughs> calm down, right? And you, as you feel your pulse come in and out, you, you say one word, and then the next pulse, you say the next word. So on one pulse, you say calm, and the next word, you say down, calm down, calm down. <laughs> chill out, chill out, right? Um, I, I like that, because both of these, both of these techniques basically, again, turn you away from your worry and bring you uh, to the present moment, really. They get you out of your own way. They, 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 really, they jumpstart you into a, a simpler, more peaceful place, which, which is just awesome. Um, you know, this is one of my favorites that I think is really important I think is good for your audience to hear, which is promote what you love instead of bashing what you hate. And I, I like this because, you know, there's a lot of haters on the Internet, 
And if you're one of those haters, you know who you are, and God bless you, and I send lots of love to you. But, you know, it doesn't make you necessarily feel better when you're putting a lot of negativity out to the world. And so, you know, I think that there's a similar to, like, when you're feeling helpless, help someone. If you're feeling negative, promote something positive, right? So, you know, post one of James's podcasts. Like, do something that, that is sharing better content in the world rather than being a hater. Because we have so much negative energy around us right now that we need to be uh, joining forces to take responsibility for putting more positive energy out into the world. And I think a lot of that comes with being a power of example on social media through sharing positive, empowering content. And if you don't have something nice to say to someone's blog, then do not say it at all. It's so unnecessary. Bring such negativity and it's not serving the world let's anyway. take that into the into the workplace so your, your boss or uh, either just yelled at you or a colleague just backstabbed you in a meeting um how can you how can you take this technique and use it there um okay so i would say you know you've got bad vibes and energy okay so here's a great example i have a really good friend and he works in a bank and it's really 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 bad energy the boss you know leads with the iron fist like it's a bad bad place to hang out um so my advice he kept coming to me so miserable they don't respect me they don't like me there's so much negativity we're all supposed to do this and i said to him i was like well why what if you just went to work every day and your your main job your main job not necessarily get the deal done or to make sure that you were said perfect in your presentation, but your main job was to be the light, to be the positive energy, okay? And for whatever reason, it was a, it, that day he decided to, to hear what I was saying. He was like, I get it, and I'm going to apply it. And this is someone who's very, very, this is a banker, okay? This is someone who's very cynical. In, normal, in the normal world, it would be like, this is insane. What the hell are you talking about? But for whatever reason, he took it to heart. And he spent a week going to work and making that his full-time job, to be the light, right, to be the positive energy, to bring his good attitude to the negative circumstances. And he came back to me a week later. He said, you have changed that exercise changed my life. So when I went to work every day just with the intention of like being in a good mood and you know being nice to people and, and not letting you know letting things roll off my back and but my only job was to be positive, be in a good place and, and, and have a good attitude. All of the littleness of all the crap that was coming up in the office and all the, the you know the details started to just melt away and ironically people started treating him with more respect because they felt good around him. And that feeling of being, you know, positive and empowered by his energy and elevated by his energy unconsciously led them to want to be more kind and more generous to him. And so, you know, take it or leave it, but it works. I swear by this. So, you know, rather than thinking that your job is to be a great publicist or a banker or, you know, a, a VC, your job is to be the light. <laughs> your job is to be positive and empowering and see what happens. It will change I, I like that. And I, I talk about that a lot, actually, in... in Choose Yourself, my last book, which is you want to be you want to always be the beacon because you can't see all the ships that are uh, that are out there on a foggy night. But if you're simply a good beacon, if you keep yourself clean and bright and energetic, if you're a good beacon, the ships will come safely to shore and there will be no accidents. That's all you have to do. You don't have to see anybody. You don't have to kind of directly approach anybody. You just have to be that light. And, you know, and my book is a book to help people deal with this economy and business, but it's these techniques that you're talking about and that are in your book that are the most useful for actually finding success, I find, which is why I enjoyed your book so much. It's so cool to me that 
that you get the intersection. You know, you understand that there has to be this intersection. If we're all one way and we're only in the practical right brain, then we're going to miss, you know, that creative part of what can come through us. And when businesses and individuals start to go to that next level with their career, it happens when they tap into that creative force, whatever you would call it. So, you know, when they tap into the service-minded essence, when they tap into wanting to feel better rather than, you know, produce more, um, that's when things begin to explode in one's career. And so I'm, I'm so psyched that you understand that and that you promote that. Yeah, no, and unfortunately, I guess for all of us, like you mentioned, the the dark night of the soul, there was one point where I, you know, I had made, you know, more money than I ever thought was possible. But I figured, you know, this is just not enough. Like I need I literally felt like I needed a hundred million dollars in order to be happy. And which is, of course, the, you know, one year later, I was totally bankrupt, lost my house and family and everything. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to set priorities straight and realize that these tools that you're talking about are, are, are the floor. Like that, this is, this sets the floor and the base for future success. Not wanting a hundred million dollars, but actually being the light or being positive or being, you know, doing some of these energetic practices or sleeping well or coming up with lots of ideas or forgiving people. You know, all of these practices together are kind of make up the, the soup of success in some way. And, uh, yeah. I, I think it's valuable, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm glad you agreed to, to come on the show. Yeah, and, you know, the last thing I'll say about that, James, is that I think, you know, the neat thing about Miracles Now is that there's 108 tools. So if some of them are, like, too out there, too woo-woo, or just too difficult, there's, like, 108, there's 107 more, you know? So it's like, you can really choose what you want from this book. And even if I believe that if somebody applied one tool from this book in their life, their life will change. And so, you know, that's exciting. That's well, And the title for your things. next book should be, like, should, the title for your next book should be The Woo-Woo Tools. So exactly. <laughs> anything that is like too out there that you are, you know what? It actually probably would be useful for you to see what you're afraid, what you're afraid is not practical. So you're caught, you're labeling them all woo woo. If you were to list the tools that you thought were woo woo, I bet you those would be the most useful tools in the book. Well, you know what's interesting? I think that, you know, in all of my books, none of them are spirituality light. So if you were like someone who's on a spiritual path of some kind, you, you'd look at this book and be like, oh yeah, this is, this is truth. I believe this. But my, but my work, and I believe that a big reason why my, pur- my purpose is, is to demystify these principles and make them tangible for the mass audience that may not otherwise find them if they're packaged in a way that it's too out there. And so, you know, there's no- nothing about these tools is dumbed down or, you know, made, you know, made lesser. It's really just how did I translate the principle? And so that's been, you know, my big goal and my hope is to just translate these tools in a very easy to digest way so that people who wouldn't find them can find them and use them. Well, that's great. And again, uh, Gabby, I'm so happy you came on the show. The book is Miracles Now, uh, out today, basically. Uh, April 8th is the release date, correct? That's correct. That's right. So I'm really excited. I hope everybody goes out and and buys it, and I hope you come on the show again. Yeah, and and if anyone does buy the book, they can um, get a a ton of free gifts from me, including a half-day workshop and the audiobook introduction and lots of different gifts when they just uh, put their receipt number in gabbyb.tv, G-A-B-B-Y-B.tv forward slash miracle. Look at you. You're all over social media and using doing Internet marketing. This is great. 
I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I, I, look, I've got a message to spread, so I better use the tools that are in front of me, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's important. So, yeah. so again, thanks very much, and um, I hope everybody enjoys the show. Thanks, James. Bye, everyone. Bye. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.